it's good to be here. You have a really cool church. You really do. I mean, uh, you can just feel it. And uh, I think your people are better than mine. Uh, I really do, just looking around. You got better people. I don't know how you did that, man, but the Grove City Vineyard, we're like the last stop. You know, we have a saying, if you can't make it at the vineyard, you can't make it anywhere. We're like the last train to Clarksville, you know, so we just have a lot of people who have been kicked out of some really good churches, and so... I just like being with good people. This is, of course, I don't know them that well either, so I have that advantage. But I love your pastor. I really, really, no, I'm serious. I love him as a brother in the Lord, as a colleague in ministry. I, I love him. We have been friends for many, many years, and I respect him because, uh, you know, he, he's serious about what he does. He ain't kidding around, right? He's serious about the gospel. He's serious about you. He's serious about eternal life. He's well-informed. Whenever we get together, he just, he just always knows more than I do. He's like, really? Uh, he just, he's well-informed. And what I like most about Brian, or much about Brian, is that he's a man of principle. You know, he's a man of principle. He's a guy whose principles determine his practices. And I know pastors whose practices come first, and then they have to sort of bend the principles to make it fit. This guy here will sacrifice. I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. He's a man of principle. He works from what's right. I think he would much rather reach fewer people with the truth than more people with a compromise. And I really applaud him for that, and I know that you appreciate that about him. Okay, enough about how great Brian is. Let's talk about how great I am. I am a husband, a father of five grown kids, grandfather of 16, and now great-grandfather of one. It has been privileged as Brian, my privilege to uh, serve as the founding pastor of Grove City Vineyard quite a while ago. I live with my high school sweetheart on a small farm where we raise grass-fed beef, and I restore vintage tractors, and we also have lots and lots of parties out there. I'm 65 years old, and I'm having a love-hate relationship with being a senior citizen. I don't like it that my life is now typically defined by doctor's appointments. I had four doctor's appointments on four different days this week. I, I, I don't like that, but I do love having Medicare, you know. I just, that's the, this is the best health insurance I've ever had. Yay, whoever started that. Yeah, yeah. I, I calculated that I put it, I paid in about a half a million dollars to Social Security in my working lifetime, so I'm ready to get some of that back. <laughs> I don't like it that my body can no longer cash the checks that my mind keeps writing. Now, for you millennials and you Zoomers, if you Google what a check is, that'll make a lot more sense to you. Okay. But uh, I do love senior driving. This is just, uh, I've been waiting for this so, for so long, you know, like going 19 and a 35 and never using my turn signals. I mean, 
This is something that I have just waited for for a long time. One more, and then I'll try to get a little more serious. I don't like it that my conservative viewpoints are considered by many to be archaic and irrelevant. I don't like that. I am not loving that. But I do love it that I'm allowed to forget stuff. Because life is just full of surprises now. I start reading a book and I go, oh, this looks familiar. I wonder how it turns out. Or watching a movie and, oh, catch this. So I was in seeing the orthopedic surgeon to get my knee scoped set up on Friday. And somebody comes in and says, you know, we need your whatever card. And I said, okay. And I start looking around in my wallet and I, I start poking around. I found a $100 bill tucked away in the back. And I thought... How did that even get there? Did they grow in there? Because I have no memory whatsoever of putting that money in there. And I uh, have not yet told Karen about that. <laughs> when Brian asked me to preach a few months ago, if I could preach sometime, and it was in May, I said absolutely for two reasons. I am very seldom asked to come back anywhere. And so... I do remember being with you. Uh, you are one of two pastors who have ever invited me for a third time. And the other is Pastor A. Stephen in India, and he's very desperate for speakers. <laughs> and uh, I just perhaps question your powers of discernment. But I, as we were sitting there, because one of the cool things about Brian is he always knows cool places to eat lunch, cooler than Applebee's, you know? I don't have any imagination for that. So we're sitting there in whatever we were, and, uh, and, he, and, and, and he was telling me about the, the new name for the church. He said, we're, we're calling it Living Hope Church. And my heart just came alive. Oh, man, because I said, you mean from 1 Peter chapter 1? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> Living Hope Church. So what I'd like to do this morning is just share, just for a few minutes, my perspective from 1 Peter chapter 1, and I know I'm, I'm walking on holy ground here because it's like your signature passage, I get that, and if I, I, know, I know Brian has preached on this and has been, and I did listen to his very excellent Easter message, but if I say anything that's contrary to Brian, he's right, I'm wrong, Okay. And if I say stuff that you've already heard from Brian, then the reason the Lord is asking me to say it again is because you ain't doing it yet, okay? Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, the passage says, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then the next verse says, Though you do not see him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, it says, 
you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Lord, as we approach humbly and with seriousness the power of your word, we come in anticipation, Lord. We've been out there just knocking it down every day, getting the jobs done, checking the boxes. And uh, now we just need your company and we need your spirit and we need, we need your Holy Spirit to come and enliven these words for the next few minutes just so that our hearts can be refreshed, Lord. So we invite you to come now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So it starts out, 1 Peter 1, verse 3, praise be to God. That's always a good place to begin, isn't it? It's the equivalent of the Old Testament, hallelujah. I'm sure you know that, hallelujah, which means praise Yah, Yahweh, hallelujah, praise God. So this praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. I always love it when I hear the word mercy. <laughs> I got nothing without the mercy of God. Can anybody testify to that? But I have everything with it. His great mercy, he has given us something, new birth. He's given us a gift, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's given us this because of his mercy. He says, I want you to be born again. I want you to have hope. <laughs> and into an inheritance. An inheritance? What? You mean something better's coming? Something better's coming. And the person who guarantees it, has already died. His name is Jesus Christ, and he died for us. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's solid. It's something you can count on. It's the only thing you can count on. <laughs> Kept in heaven for you who thr through faith, because it's all about faith, isn't it? It's all about faith decisions are shielded by God's power, shielded. We get a shield out of this. Do you, do you know this? We're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time because we won't need the shield anymore because the devil will be conquered once and for all. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Man, that's such a promising passage. <laughs> you know, he goes on, he said these we're going to have troubles, he says. We're going to have trials, but it's okay. Because God is doing something, even in the midst of that. He's refining our faith. He's melting it. He's refining it like gold. He says, gold's even going to pass away, but your faith is going to be forever. And he said, and, and, and in the refining of your faith, as you go through these trials, it results in more praise, more glory, and more honor for Jesus. And it says we can't see him now. I mean, with our eyes, he's speaking to people. By this generation, by the time he wrote this, there may have been a few people in his hearing that were actually there, but the majority of people that Peter wrote to hadn't seen him, just like us. And so it was a faith relationship. You haven't seen him, but you love him. And he says, you, know, you can't see him now, but you... You believe in him, and I love that passage. You're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
I don't know if it happened in the whole room, but there was like this big joy blurp over here while we were worshiping. It was in that last song, and it was just like, it was sweet. And we're filled with an inexpressible joy. So much joy, we don't know how to express it. We run out of words. I hope it's okay to speak in tongues in this church, because that's all I could do when that joy was hitting me over here. I didn't have English for it. I just had to praise him. He says, uh, for you're receiving something, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Two questions and two statements. What is the living hope? Surely you've heard definitions, quite a few, and from different perspectives by now. I want to say this morning, the living hope is the believer's sense of absolute certainty about the future that comes directly from our resurrected Lord. The believer's hope, or the living hope, is the believer's sense of absolute certainty about the future that comes directly from the resurrected Lord. It's absolute certainty. The living hope is an orientation toward a certain, absolutely for sure future. Living hope is not a wish. Living hope isn't a wish, it's a certainty. Living hope isn't world hope. World hope says, well, I hope I get the job. Well, I hope the Buckeyes win another national championship. Well, I hope she says yes. That's a wish. But this is a, this is a certainty because it's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Many of our hopes are dependent upon what we bring to the party, right? The, the, I hope I get the job came after a job interview where we gave it our best shot or the proposal of marriage came after we were showing our best self. Yeah? You know, here's a little side about marriage. They say that the first 50 years are the hardest. <laughs> Karen and I are finally <laughs> creeping up on that, so, woo! <laughs> There's hope. Many of, our, many of our hopes in the world are dependent on what we bring to the party. The living hope is not dependent upon our merits at all. In his mercy, he said, he has given us new birth into a living hope. It's because of the mercy of God that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, and the hope is built on the resurrection. Therefore, my merits don't even enter into the equation. It is by faith that we receive this living hope, not by merits. Thank God for that. This living hope immediately offers to solve two problems. First, the uncertainty of the future. I tell my people all the time, the worst thing that could happen to me today is I die and go to heaven, right? <laughs> the worst thing is also the best thing. It makes a certainty for the future, and it also... It also solves the problem of our anxieties with the present. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we've had a very tumultuous year and a half. <laughs> Unprecedented times. Waters we've never been in before. I pray we're never in again. This has been tough. 
And I have just found that this very passage and the living hope is what has carried me through, knowing that no matter how it is here now, that what's coming is so much better, so it makes the here and now bearable. Paul said in Romans 8, remember about verse 18, I do not consider that our present sufferings are worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. He says, I don't, I don't consider how, however bad it is here right now to be even something to be compared. It's not to be worried about, to be flustered with because, because of what's coming. And it creates this kind of carelessness, doesn't it, with our lives. We can be careless. We don't be burdened down with the cares of today because no matter how bad it gets, we're going to heaven after this, right? Come on. And it just gives us a freedom, a liberty. No matter how... It reminds me of this guy who was having trouble with his brakes on his car and none of the mechanics in town could fix it, so where does he finally go? To the dealership. I can never and so you go, he goes to the dealership, and he says, they can't fix the brakes. They keep squeaking. He goes, all right. He says, yeah, you see this circle over here? They said, you, for insurance purposes, you've got to stand inside that yellow circle while I work on your car. And so he stood inside the yellow circle. The guy puts it up on the rack. and starts, ah. You can see he's getting more frustrated and frustrated. And he, he looks over at the guy in the circle. The guy's kind of laughing. And so this guy, just mechanic, he just gets out a big old ball-peen hammer. Bang, 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 bang. No progress. He looks over. The guy's laughing harder. Finally, the guy, mechanic, brings it down. He gets a sledgehammer. He breaks out all the windows in the car. He looks over, and the guy is hysterical. He says, what's so funny? He said, while you were beating on my car, I stepped out of the circle three times. <laughs> It's a kind of careless, yeah, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Hope is obviously oriented toward the future. Paul said in Romans 8, who hopes for what he already has? And hope is an absolute assurance of God's capacity to fulfill his promises. Time check. Skip that. Skip that and skip that. <laughs> Notice I didn't skip the little circle joke, did I? No way. That's my bread and butter right there, that stuff. Second question is what are we hoping for? Well, let's think about globally. What are we hoping for with this living hope? Well, I'm hoping for a couple things. See if you can dial into this. I'm I'm really looking forward to the day when we will see the full redemption of all those who come to Christ. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that's going to be like when everybody we see will be someone who has made their way to God through his son Jesus Christ and the work of the cross? That's what I'm open for. That's what I have an assurance of. And also, I'm looking forward in the fullness of time to living in a culture of truth. How many of you, like me, are tired of this last year and a half or more of a polarization of our society because we're lining up at different versions of the truth? I mean, we just have to call it out. It's real. And it's tough. 
And we have an obligation to seek out the truth and live from the truth and to seek out the right information. We have an obligation for that. But so much division and polarization over a shade of the truth or I'm looking forward to the day when we're all living in a culture of truth. When Jesus who said, I am the way, that truth, and the life. Right? And then what are we hoping for personally for us? I hope you're joining me. In, and when I say hoping for, I mean having the confident assurance of. I hope that you're in the living hope with the knowledge that it will carry you through the judgment on the day of your death. That is a remarkable thought for me. I am not a good person. <laughs> I haven't had my first perfect day yet. The reason... There's a reason that I'm the pastor of the worst church in Grove City. There's a reason for that. But by the mercies of Jesus Christ, by the fact that in spite of my failures... I cling to the cross. I have confidence that on that day he will bear me up to the Father spotless and without blemish by his blood. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm knowing about. And also just the day again when we'll live in complete harmony with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know what happened here. Brian and I have never talked about it, but we lost people in the last year and a half who went scurrying away because of where we landed on the pandemic stuff, this, the safety issues. And, um, and, and I know that if we made a decision on the other side of the fence, that just another batch of people would have gone. And I just find that to be unfathomable that people who have been part of a fellowship for so long have given their lives to Christ even in that fellowship, have, have been filled with the Holy Spirit there, have, have traveled in some cases the world with us doing missions. And that this was such an issue that they felt they had to go. You know, we pastors, we, we never try to take stuff personally, but there are certain things that just really hurt. I'm looking for the day when the face of Jesus Christ is so bright and so strong that that will unite us perfectly under his banner, under his love. Amen? Amen. Okay. Two statements. Living hope is our unique opportunity. Verse 3 says that we are born again into a living hope. I want you to think of it this way. When you're born again, when you're born, you're born into the atmosphere, right? So you start breathing, theoretically, presumably, hopefully. And, you, and so you're born into the atmosphere, and your whole, whole respiratory system changes in practically an instant. Well, when you're, it says this is you're born again into a living hope. So your oxygen is hope. Your oxygen is the living hope. You're born again into the living hope, and your oxygen is really, is really, really hope. 
And, and what this does is it creates a unique opportunity for us. That what it cre- As believers, we have something that the world does not have to offer, and that's living hope. Did you know that? We, what, what I wanna, we have a unique opportunity here. We have something the world wants and that only we have it to give, and that's the living hope. Because the only way you get born into this living hope atmosphere is to be born again. And I want you to think about the unique opportunity that that gives us. You know, anything the world has to offer that it suggesting it can bring hope simply insulates us, doesn't it? It just sort of anesthetizes us to the pain that we need to address so that we can have hope. The world offers hope. Drive this car, eat this food, wear these clothes, get this phone, and you're going to just be happy. And all functional stuff, but at the end of the day, it's going to perish, right? It's going to, everything the world has to offer us will perish. The Bible says here, even gold. It turns out gold can carry you to the grave, but it can't do anything to get you out of it. And everything the world has to offer, and I enjoy life. Oh, man, I saw those monster trucks. Sorry, I have ADD. I saw those monster trucks parked out on Route 40 there, all that work they're doing. When I, I kind of went by and I had to come back. Anybody want to go hotwire some of those afterwards? And I mean, <laughs> I just, you, you with me? I just love life. I love doing stuff. And I love the world. I, I don't love the world as loving the world, but I, I love being in the world and enjoying everything I possibly can that the world has to offer. But I know this, it's going to perish. It's going to fail. But this says that our faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, this living hope is something that we have as a unique opportunity to offer to the world. Get this. Just, just get this really. So the world has something that every person in it needs. You have that. You already have that. You have the living hope. Now, have you ever thought, I wish I'd have invented the cell phone or the rear windshield wiper or something. I wish I'd have thought of that. I wish I'd have been on the ground floor. I'm, I'm letting you in on the ground floor of an amazing opportunity right here. You have something in Christ that the whole world needs and that the world itself doesn't have to offer. I consider that to be a really unique opportunity. And last statement, living hope is our glorious obligation. You know, since we've been born again into this living hope, then we now have an understandable obligation of, to bring this hope to the world. Amen? I mean, that's what we got. We have a living hope. Some of you are probably terrified to share the message of salvation with people. I get that. I remember when I was. I don't even want to tell you about the first time I tried to share Jesus. Yikes. Some of you are just terrified at the thought of presenting the gospel to somebody. I have an idea then. Why don't you just live in the hope? Why don't you just embrace the living hope that the worst thing that could happen to you today is that you die and go to heaven Live from that place and let that hope just bubble up around the people around you, right? Maybe you can't yet say the words of the gospel, but you can give witness to the fact that I know Christ and I know where I'm going after this. 
That won't prepare you to answer every theological question that you're so afraid you're going to be asked. But what if we just started there and just said, I want to live. I want to live out the hope. It's an obligation that we have. It's a glorious one. I don't know what I could ever say to the Lord right now that says, no, I'm not going to share your hope. (laughs) There's no reason I can come up with that makes sense in prayer just to say to the Lord, no, I appreciate having it, but you know, I'm just going to kind of keep it to myself. I love David Crowder. I think he's the real deal. And all my hope is in you, Lord, is one of my favorite songs, right? Thank God that yesterday is gone. <laughs> I love that. What a joy it is to be here with you guys today. Could I close with a few questions? A few questions. This question is a blanket question on everybody. Have you been born again? Just ponder that for a second. I mean, it's like either a yes or a no. Have you been born again? Have you come to the place of, of understanding your need of Christ and what he did for you on the cross? Have you been born again? Have you come to that place of, of confession and surrender where you become aware of your unholiness and, and your bankruptcy before a holy God? Have you, have you come to that place and, and just by faith just ask the Lord into your life. Just, I get it, Lord. I, I understand it. And I, I want it. I, I, I want to be born again. I want Jesus Christ and the power of his blood to come in and to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I want this, Lord. And I, right here, you know, could you do something for me? Could you trust me enough just to bow your heads, please? I know it's a big ask. You don't know me. I just want to, if if you're here today and you're thinking, I don't know why, but today's the day I'm ready. I want to to come to Christ. And if you're here today and you're there, here's a prayer. Here's the prayer, the kind of prayer I would pray from my heart to God if I were you. Follow along and and see if it rings true from your heart. This is the prayer I would pray. God. I want to be born again. I realize that I am a sinner in need of the only Savior, Jesus Christ. Right here, right now, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me, God. We got a lot of work to do, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I'm saved forever. Now, would, with, with your heads bowed, I would love it if, if any, whoever just prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me for a second? All you got to do is, I just want to, I just want to catch a glimpse of you. I'm not going to, like, then make you come up. It's not a trick. It's, is there anybody here, maybe, who just asked Christ into their life? This is always such an important thing can't see you if you are so if you are just slip your hand up ever so small I just want to praise God you're all saved I love this I just love this okay here's another question for closing have you been born again into the living hope 
does the reality of the resurrection just <laughs> excite you with anticipation? Have you been released from your natural fear of death? You see, I, I know believers who they, they accept Christ very authentically, but they still dwell in that fear of an impending judgment day, a impending death. Well, that person is saved, but they haven't been, they're not breathing the air yet. They're not breathing the living hope. And are you, maybe you would define yourself as a person like that. Are you significantly free from the anxieties of today? No one is perfectly without stress or anxiety, but are you substantially free because of the living hope in you? Father, I pray for those who are working with that question right now, that you'd move in their lives and move in their hearts and Oh, God, would you just burst that bubble of fear of death? Would you just show them that you are the one who said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. God, would you just lift that fear? Would you lift the anxieties of today, knowing that nothing can happen to us today that will ultimately get through the shield, Lord. Would you just lift that? And my last question is, are you a purveyor of hope to others? Are you a natural source of hope to those around you? You know, when you do this right, sharing your faith is so easy. I mean, Peter himself said that we should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us, Right? And that, that, that it just says that he's expecting people to come to us and go, why do you have so much hope? Well, when you live in hope, people notice that, but you need to be infected by it first. You cannot be an asymptomatic carrier of hope. So, Father, I pray now, Father, for those who are living in hope, that, that it would just become obvious to people around them, and you would use that, Lord, to draw people to salvation, to draw people to yourself, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, now, and do the work that you have in mind to do for your greatest glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother.